Hello and welcome to another episode of the Men's Wear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker. On this episode, I'm going to talk to Michael Owen, founder of Always Wear Red. And I'm going to pull a short clip here from the website, which you can find, by the way, at www.alwayswearred.com. The story of Always Wear Red hand-knitted jumpers and scarves is amazingly detailed. With 20 years' experience as an international award-winning furniture and brand designer, Michael added to his design and make credentials by spending four years working with the UK's best clothing makers using the world's best materials. He explored many clothing categories before finally focusing on doing one thing really well, the thing that started the journey, hand knits. Always wear red hand knit to classic, seasonless British designs that last. Simple, iconic designs that stand out. No wash to save time, money and the planet. One world-class antimicrobial ingredient up to 3kg of 100% Italian merino in every jumper. Genderless, so made for sharing. So that interview with Michael to come and uh, really enjoy talking to Michael and he's got a great attitude and ethos to the brand and how he approaches customer service and what it takes to make a really good knit and and what goes on and the processes involved so that is all to come all that good jazz but before we get to michael don't forget to check out the show notes at www.menswearstyle.co.uk and on the social at menswearstyle and if you want to tell us about your brand and your journey you can email the show here at info at menswearstyle.co.uk okay so let's get to it. This is a good one and I hope you enjoy it. Here is that interview with Michael Owen, founder of Always Wear Red. Well, it's my great pleasure to welcome Michael Owen to the show. Michael is the founder of Always Wear Red. How are we doing today, Michael? Very well, thank you. Thanks, Peter. Great. Well, listen, thanks for taking time out to be on. Before we get into Always Wear Red, please tell me a little bit about yourself, Michael, and your background. Okay, so I'm a furniture designer by trade, but not by trade, by training. So that was my um, my qualification. I suppose my highest qualification is making flipping furniture. I was at the uh, University of Northumbria at the same time as that bloke, Jonathan Ive, who ended up at that there Apple. So he did, uh, he's making more money than me. Damn it. Um, but yeah, he was, there. he was a couple of years ahead of me. So anyway, that's the short story of what I learned in my youth. Then I spent about 10 years, Peter, helping people to start businesses uh, as a, a business advisor. Um, strangely, I, I had a flair for marketing and communications, apparently, and it won me a few awards in the early days. So I ended up helping people to start businesses. Then when I was 30, I started agencies so i when i was 30 i spent 15 years running creative agencies digital agencies and a brand consultancy all at the same time and then when i was 45 i packed them all in to do this clothing thing called always wear <laughs> okay. so that's it that's, that's the short story of me oh uh, fantastic well tell us a little bit about always wear red how long has it been going Always Wear Red's been around for four-ish years, between four and five years. It's actually, I think it's the fifth year on February the 14th next year. But for the first three and a half, four years, I wasn't doing what we do now. I basically, I'm a designer, I suppose, and I'm a creative guy, but going into the clothing category for the very first time um, was tricky. So basically, I decided if I was going to learn, I'd better learn from the best. 
So for the first three and a half years, I worked across a broad range of men's accessories, working with the best makers in the United Kingdom, using the best materials in the world, basically. So the, the makers I was working with made for the British Royal Family, Mick Jagger, Kate Moss, uh, and some of the biggest brands, of course, you know, Chanel, uh, the Louis Vuitton suite of brands, etc. And I just piggybacked on their due diligence and said, look, if you'll work for them, work for little old me. <laughs> and I, I told them the story of the brand, which was uh, quite a quirky little story, which we'll come to in a moment. And they went, yeah, let's give this guy a go. He's either bonkers or brave or somewhere between the two. And, and I still don't know which it is. So in the, in the early days, Peter, it was making a broad range of men's accessories. And then about two years ago, there was an overlap. I fell in love with one product and it was basically hand knits because um, I'm quoted as saying, I kind of scoured the world to, found, to find the very, very best hand knit I could possibly find, the most luxurious and beautifully made hand knit. And I couldn't find one. So I've been quoted as saying, well, fuck it. If I can't find it, I'll, I'll make it then. So basically... That's what I'm doing. I, I, I create hand-knitted uh, jumpers in very small quantities. We're set up to make 300 a year, no more. And they're done in a very specific way. Um, and we'll, we'll come on to this, of course. But um, that, that, again, is the short story of what's happened over the evolution of Always Wear Red over five years. We now do one thing really, really well. I do, I do talk about them being the best hand-knits in the world because I'm, I don't know, I'm, as I say, somewhere between bonkers and brave. Um, <laughs> I just think they're great. It's really hard to do, but the way we do it is, is pretty unique. Michael, perhaps you can tell us what inspired you to start Always Wear Red and uh, if you can remember the story and the genesis behind it. Yeah, I mean, it's the most important thing to mention of all, really, Peter. Um, I reached my mid-40s and I was running three or four companies and doing well and, and making money. I knew what I was doing, but I didn't really know why I was doing it. Um, I didn't understand what I was for. I didn't really understand um, the ongoing effect of my um, work on the businesses I was, I was working for, to my shame, perhaps. You know, it worked in the short term, but I don't know how I was helping people in the, the longer term. Um, I had a kind of a dis dissatisfaction with my life overall because it felt upside down. The short answer to the question of, what was the genesis to the starting of Always Wear Red was I felt my life was upside down in that I spent, I prioritized with my work and tried to fit my downtime into my work. And in fact, I should have prioritized my downtime um, and, you know, tried to make my work fit around that. Um, that's why I changed everything. I closed four agencies within a year and started Always Wear Red. You know, they had a seven-figure turnover and 20 people, 20 to 30 people at the time worked with me. I tried to help them get other roles. But it was all to concentrate on Always Wear Red. Uh, the mantra of Always Wear Red is downtime is life. It's just those three words. It's downtime is life. And I basically thought, I wonder if I could create knitwear that was so cuddly and relaxing and um, it just reminded you to switch off and pause, you know, your permission to pause. We use the term self-care, you wear, all these neat little rhymey things. Um, and it all stemmed from a, when I was a little boy, you know, when I was 40, or not a little boy, I was in my teens and my mum had actually knitted me this cardigan, a massive 
people of a certain age will probably know what I mean by a Starsky cardigan because mm. Paul Michael Glazier out of Starsky and Hutch had this big cardigan. And I said, I want one of them. And this cardigan, I always remember it made me feel safe and nurtured. That from a 14 or 15 year old boy, I, re I remembered that when I was, um, or more specifically, I remembered the feeling it gave me, Peter, in my late 40s. And that is what the whole of Always Wear Red is based on. It's based upon the idea that downtime is life. And it's not something you try and, you know, squidge into life. Your life's upside down if you do that. And we talk about being your permission to pause. So to answer your question, that is what Always Wear Red is about. Yes, we work hard to be the best hand knits in the world. That's what we do. But what we are for is to remind you that downtime is life. Interesting. And life is what happens when you're busy making other plans, as Lennon would say. Yeah, I mean, it's really weird. I mean, joining the dots of that story, um, it, it, the most significant thing is it's true. You know, it is an authentic story and it is, it is what it's all about. So that's why it's so personal to me. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning because it's ridiculously hard hand knits. It's so hard to scale. Getting the margins to make sense is really tricky as well, but it's just what I feel compelled to do. And there's there's also quite a lot of that on the website as well. There's like downtime archives that you have. These almost feel like time capsules in a way, little blogs and entries and diary entries that you've made over time. Uh, what was that all part of the ethos as well when you were when you were starting the website to have like something that would mark the journey of the brand? Yeah, it's to do with transparency and probably vulnerability as well. Because when you're doing something for the first time, it's really scary. Um, people use this word pioneering and, you know, should I be sat here puffing my chest out and raising my eyebrows talking about being pioneering? Well, maybe I should, but what I really feel is vulnerable because there's no book for taking pioneering approaches. Um, you know, the greatest quality flipping hand knits and the most sustainable hand knits trying to beat anybody I've ever found. It's hard. So to answer your question, we, we chronicle the journey to show the things we got right and the things we got wrong because uh, there's a saying isn't that you have to go through good to get to great you probably have to go through ordinary to get to good and then through good to get to great so so many things we haven't got right first time and in fact i mean hot off the press i'll just mention it because it happened today i've just revealed today that the orders that we had to go out um for christmas i've contacted every one of them by phone and I was really worried and I, I've said to them look I'm not going to release any of the hands before Christmas no nobody cancelled and most of them thanked me which is really weird um mm. but that's what we're doing we've heard the term slow fashion haven't we but people are going to gift people the promise of a, a a jumper or a scarf that's being hand knitted for them in early January or February and it makes absolutely no difference to the client base. And these are the things that keep me going. So you going into this from the world of accessories into clothing, do you then have to start learning how to pattern make? Or um, you're just taking your design skills and your design background and imparting that into the clothes? Tell me about how that works. That's correct. I mean, I'm not in, you know, I know I'm not being facetious. I'm not knitting them myself. I work with Britain's best knitters who actually, and, and this is really strange because up until about three or four months ago, all I did, all I thought was we just have to find the very best knitters, pay them really well, look after them, 
and then they'll stay. However, there's another force at play. And the other force at play, Peter, is they have to be strong. And the reason they have to be strong is because our jumpers weigh up to three kilograms. So if you or me were to hold our hands out in front of us, holding a, you know, something that's moving from zero to three kilograms over about between 60 and 100 hours, it hurts. <laughs> so um, the way we've created the design, and, and they're gender neutral, so they're a very specific shape, uh, and they're a classic design so that they... Um, they um, they last, you know. I'm not into. I don't use the word fashion. Basically, I'm not into things that come and go. It's a classic, timeless design that, you know, that wears in. It doesn't wear out. But um, it's tricky. But to answer your question, focusing down on the knitwear, it's just a natural step for me because right. everything I did, you know, when I was doing what I thought were amazing flat caps. Of course, they were made in Yorkshire, handmade in Yorkshire. And of course, the material was, 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 was woven in Yorkshire. And when I was working with the densest, most um, detailed silk, it was, there's only one factory in the world that does it as densely as I wanted. And they're in London. So basically, and they're called, called Vanners. So basically, I was used to finding the very best in the category, building a relationship with them and working with them. So I've just done, taken exactly the same approach with, with the hand knits. Right. Okay. And are there any uh, skills that kind of dovetail from your design background into the design world of fashion, uh, well, garments and uh, and knitwear now? I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's probably <laughs> that the, I'm just speaking. It's a guttural response. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess so. If design is you, you set a vision and and then make a series of decisions towards achieving that vision, then yes. So when I was making tables and chairs or building brands for other people, there was always a vision. And then we worked backwards from that vision. Right. And the vision I set myself here, of course, was, and I know it sounds slightly weird, the best hand knits in the world, you know. And there's a very specific and personal reason why I wanted to do that, by the way, which we'll come to. But now it was the same process, really. So it's not I don't know. The answer is yes. Anything I've ever designed... I start with the end in mind, get as clear and as crisp a vision as I possibly can and work backwards from there. So a question that I imagine you get asked every other day, why red? Red is, the, there's three reasons really. Red is the color the human eye sees first. So it, it actually appears closer to humans than any other. And I kind of like that. I like, I like absolutes, you know, it just, it just does. The second reason is um, it's a very British color. Uh, and this is a very British brand. So, uh, and the reason it's a very British colour, by the way, is because in virtually any poll or questionnaire thing, give me Bobby, three of the top five things that people cite as being British are red. Huh. One of them is a Rootmaster bus, one of them is a pillar box, and one of them is a telephone box. You know, I don't know that millennials will know what a bloody telephone box is, but <laughs> I remember what one is. And the third reason is, is because it's the colour of power and... Um, and um, it, it's a, oh yeah, this is the term, I suppose. It's the most powerful perception former of all colors. So um, it's just the, the color of sexuality. And any time that, you know, when Theresa May was in power or Merkel as women go head to head with, you know, silly people like Trump who, who you know, well, let's, let's not talk about him. But the reason I'm mentioning it is because invariably people will wear red to be seen bigger or more significant. Uh, and more powerful as individuals. All of those things, um, 
I, I suppose, I suppose, yeah. Interesting. Well, Michael, uh, I should say my, my girlfriend loves your brand because uh, I, I quickly showed her to the, some of the garments before jumping on a call with you. And she was rifling through the products, rifling through uh, a couple of the pages. So you've got her seal of approval and, and obviously yeah. mine as well, but it's, uh, it doesn't always come across on the podcast. Uh, okay. <laughs> if, if my girlfriend doesn't say anything, then it's probably not a good thing, but she's a big fan. Um, so there's a, a run of 300 and is that per year? Can you talk about the production run at all and, and yeah. how that yeah. works? Basically, we have a team of knitters uh, 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 around the United Kingdom um, and the capacity. Once we get to about 150 units, we have to grow the team a little bit. Uh, the business, by the way, for what it's worth, it makes sense as a commercial enterprise when we get to around 150 units. Um, the margins aren't very big. They're, these products are expensive because they take bloody ages. Uh, and the way we do them, and there's all sorts going on with how we label them, etc., and, and the way we package them. But to answer your question, when we get to between 150 to 300, we have to scale the business again. My intention is to go for 150 to 300 units in 2021, and then maximize out at 300 units for a couple of years, if indeed we get that far, Peter, because who knows? We're, we're not there yet. You know, we're in the dozens, not hundreds currently, you know, towards three figures with the, with the hand knits. Um, but it's not about, I mean, it's an off the shelf thing, but I'm dead comfortable saying it. We're after making the best hand knits we can, not the most hand knits we can. So we're learning all the time. It certainly doesn't mean that everything's a prototype, but it does mean that we, you know, we, it is impossible to hand knit two exactly the same. And, but I like that. I like that. I like the fact that Joe, who leads our team of knitters, and by the way, Joe is someone who I picked up who has led teams of knitters all over the world, you know, London and New York and beyond. She'll look at two jumpers on a table and she'll go, oh, Eleanor knitted that one. Huh. Andrew, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew knitted that one. I'm going, they all look the bloody same to me. <laughs> They're all, you know what? Every stitch, every stitch of those 60 to 100 hours, we, we, we look at it. And the reason, by the way, we've gone for the gender neutral shape, which did our head in and cost literally tens of thousands of pounds to get right, is because... We've got this wear it, share it, repair it, neatly rhyming mantra. And it's to do with the fact that if, if ever you and or your girlfriend owned one of our jumpers, I want it to last as long as you're around. And if you're, a, you know, you nick it from each other. Because the way we knit actually means there's an eight inch span expansion across the body shape anyway. So if you're a little person and she or he is a big person, etc. It just, it, it's fine, you know. Um, so I love the idea that we've thought as much as I can about every single detail, but it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. And are these made to order? They are. I mean, the, the stock levels that we're going to go to, there are six designs of jumpers and there are four designs of scarves. And you can have a high neck or a low neck. And, and they're either zipped or unzipped. I'm talking about the jumpers there, of course. Uh -huh. We'll keep stock levels of certain sizes of never, I say never, of rarely more than two or three. Right, okay. So if you want one, there could be up to six weeks to wait. Right. But strangely, and I hope I don't seem rude, we don't make any apologies for that because sometimes at Christmas, you know, I won't talk about you or me, but he or she might hand her or him a box and go, there you go, there's a box, open it, you've seen it, wear it. 
with us, sometimes someone will give someone, and it sounds a bit weird, doesn't it, an empty box. And they'll say, basically, for you, Peter, there's a jumper being knitted now. Um, you're going to get a phone call within a week from the founder of the business who's going to talk to you a little bit about how you, you know, the sizing. And then every Monday of six weeks, between four to six weeks, actually, you're going to get a visual update, not of just any old jumper being created, but of your jumper being created. And then of the actual labels, because there are three labels, which were a bloody nightmare to produce and even more of a nightmare to attach. You've got this um, seamstress who hand attaches the labels. So you get to see that. And then they're all numbered and signed by me, uh, checked and signed, you know, physically numbered and signed by me as they're done and then packed in a box. So it's more of a little experience, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of these products, I mean, the products range from 345 quid through to nearly 1,700 pounds, depending on what variants you want. And it's not endless variants. As I say, six designs of jumper, four designs of scarf. And the scarves, by the way, are either scarves or half scarves, as we call them. And then the jumpers have a couple of variants. Interesting. Well, it, it sounds like you get taken on the journey with the garment as well, which I, yeah. I personally love. I'm, I'm a little bit like you, I think, Michael, where I, I don't really indulge in everything has to be immediate. I don't need to have the, the ticket to go somewhere right now. I, I, do in, I do hanker for a bit of delayed gratification, as it were. And, and much like you'd have, a, a, I suppose, a, a suit being made for you. I mean, that doesn't just arrive on your doorstep or you don't just pick it up unless it's obviously off the peg or ready to wear when you walk in this is something that has to be this has to be made for you and this is yeah. going to be a part of you and it's going to be part of you and your life for a long time so you know six yeah. weeks is a, it's a very small time frame to wait for something, good, something like that as well well michael i can't really get away from it but I, I am interested to know how the pandemic has affected your business it's something that i do ask for a lot of business and a lot of biz, different business owners give different answers to the question and it kind of fluctuates. So I'm just interested to know how you've managed to handle the, the different variables in the business at this time. Well, the relationships that we have with customers is very, very close. I know them and they know me. So there's very little difference. You know, I, I mean, I've rung them and I've said, I, I spoke to a handful of customers last week and said, look, I'm not going to sign off your jumper for a while. Maybe not until um, Valentine's Day, and they were expecting them before Christmas. And I'm wincing on the phone, and they went, "Okay." And it's and it's because they're part of this process. Um, you know, we we get everything's 100% Italian merino because it's the best merino wool in the world. The way it's uh, produced, coloured and twisted. And I said, "Look, we had a batch that wasn't a perfect colour match." So basically, I'm not going to part knit in one and then continue in another. So it's, it's delaying the order by a little while. And they go, oh, cool. That's no worries. And then they go, how are you? And how are you? So it, to answer your question, we kind of have this very friendly relationship. We've not got a big team, but even if we get to 300 people, I've mm. got no excuse for not knowing the customers by name and taking the time to call them. Mm. I've only got like 300 customers. So it's not really affected much at all. I think on the subject of sales, it's probably stagnated the pace of sales a little bit, Peter, I, I would guess, because um, of people's unpredictable financial situation. Um, but to, to counterbalance that, I noticed on your site you have things like Klarna um, and maybe monthly installments. So there's other ways and easier ways that people can uh, pay and get hold of these garments, right? There is. It's really weird. At the same time as having Klarna plugged in, we also say to people, look, I mean, without sounding patronizing, we say, don't buy stuff you don't need with money you haven't got. Mm. So we're not, we're not trying to, you know, 
we're trying to make it easier for people to buy it because um, people generally, I'm very lucky, I suppose, a small number of people fall in love with what we're trying to do because we're trying to change the way that people buy clothes, you know, um, just, you know, as we perhaps know, 90% of the clothes that we own, we don't wear with any regularity. So we're just saying buy it and wear it. And if people, because because our stuff's, you know, it lasts a lifetime. So we do try and help them to buy it more easily, Peter. Interesting. And so yeah, that is, that is part of the offer. And you've got a, a podcast as well, I noticed on the website. How's yeah, that, that going? Okay, I mean, we did 10 of them. Um, we were actually, we've done nine of them. We were just doing a batch of 10 that sit inside the business. So if someone wants to understand our approach to design or sustainability, so for example, we, we, we've promised to buy back any jumper or scarf any time forever. You know, that's a, uh, a strange thing, I think. But I mean, we, we'll buy them back, refurbish them, because um, we know how to refurbish them ec- quite expertly because of a connection with a company called Clothes Doctor, based in London. Yeah, we've, got them, we've had them on the show. Actually, you've had Lulu on, haven't you? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah nice Lulu lady. and I work, work quite closely on that. So we just believe in the same things, just looking after customers. And we're very much why not people, you know, oh, why not, you know. Uh, if, if I'm committing to sustainability and, and, and saying our stuff lasts a lifetime and then i think buying it back if somebody wants to sell it back should be part of the deal so that's what we do excellent well michael thanks so much for taking time out of the day to talk about the brand uh it's a, it's a fantastic product congratulations and i implore people to go check out the website alwayswearred.com and also follow the journey on instagram uh, alwayswearred and it will make a really great christmas present if not a great valentine's gift as well but not just a gift for a holiday season a gift for life and say they say on the hallmark cards uh michael thanks again mate and uh, and take care of yourself thank you thank you very much well how about that as you can appreciate i could have talked to michael for hours although i failed to mention that they as a brand should seek a collaboration with the mighty reds liverpool Jurgen Klopp wouldn't look out of place in one of Michael's nits on the touchline. Be on brand. But another time, another place. In the meantime, make sure you're supporting the good guys. Head over to alwayswearred.com and treat yourself or your loved one to some awesome high-quality knitwear. And that's it from my end. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you're hearing, do leave us a review. It helps our egos around here. And until next time...